0: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to the greatest baseball podcast to grace your ears losses above replacement. I'm today's host Matthias Altman Kurosaki and with me as always we have my amazing co hosts Alex Clark and Ryan Splash Potts. My main men first things first how are we doing on this fine Monday afternoon?
1: Um let us be the last to wish everyone a happy new year or, as I like to say, a crappy new year with my sports teams crumbling in front of my eyes. Um, I'm doing all right, spending some time with my grandmother and my my family in the the Virginia area. So That's always fun. Did charades with my cousin today. So fun time, fun time. Hope you guys are doing swell.
2: Yeah, happy new year to everyone paying attention. I'm a little under the weather right now, but that's OK. Uh, overall, New Year's been good so to me so far, been just hanging out with people, having fun, and now we're here getting ready to start right back up on the grind 2022. And it, the podcast had a lot of good stuff for it, and now 2023 is going to be the year of growth for us. So I'm excited to see as we're now ready for the first of the new year.
0: Yeah, and happy new year to you all. Uh, I, I know I, I, I thought 2022, we, we did. We did great. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good year overall. Uh, I know I, I got done with grad school, which was pretty stressful, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where we go in 2023. And I hope all of you have a very successful uh, and healthy 2023. So here's to that. We are doing our first episode, and we are starting off. We're going to be doing some positional rankings. I think throughout uh at, at throughout this off season as. I feel like most of the big signings have already happened. Uh, we only have one that's kind of in limbo right now, which is Carlos Correa. So we're going to get started today by talking about our top five catchers. Uh, this is a position I feel like that has been, it's been sort of weak, this, especially this decade. I feel like the elite catchers that at least the three of us grew up watching have all retired. So we're seeing a new generation sort of rise up. But I think we have, you know, we we have a it's a solid and improving group i will say uh so i say we go ahead and get started and we we're going to start 5 to 1 and who do you guys have at number 5 then
1: so as uh we sort of do every show uh we're the big dumper fan club as a whole. So I'd like to start the list off with my number five catcher entering 2023, Cal Raleigh, Uh, switch hitting catcher, great defensively, uh, plenty of pop in. If I remember correctly, he was battling through injury in the second half near the end of the season. And he was still mashing, still playing great defense. Um, He's a guy that I think is going to continue to ascend and be one of the, the bright stars um, in the American league.
2: I agree Cal Raleigh is amazing and he's going to be on my list, uh, but he's a little bit higher up than number five. Um, Call me a homer if you will. Um, But for me, number five, I'm going over to the NL West going with one Will Smith. Will Smith had himself a very interesting 2022 overall here, you know, looking at his stats in 137 games, had a batting average of 260 and, a, and slugged again, 465. Is one of the better hitting catchers overall, in my opinion, right now. Uh, also still plays pretty solid defensively. There's not a whole lot I could really say bad about it. He's only number five on my list because I think that there are four other catchers in baseball that are better than him, but really, I really like what I see from as I, from Smith. And I think overall that he is going to be uh, continue to be a statesman with the team.
0: Yeah. And I I think Smith is definitely on my list too. Uh, I am going to agree with splash. though. I have Cal Raleigh at number five. You know, I say though, he's number five, but he's probably the biggest riser on this list. You know, you remember back in 2021 when he, he, he got called up uh, right before the All-Star break, and he he was playing almost every day, sort of backing up Tom Murphy, but I feel like we didn't really see him come into his own until after he got sent down to the minors this year. And when he came back up, he was one of the best power hitters in the game uh, afterwards. And overall, he had 27 homers, which led all catchers in baseball. 121 OPS plus is very good. 4.2 f four. 2, F4. He's a pretty good defender, too. He was a gold glove find he throws guys out. He's a good framer. Plus, he makes the team better, which is what I like. Uh, he, he, the the Mariners' team ERA is almost like a full run and a half lower with Raleigh behind the plate than compared to the others. You know, Kirk Casale or Tom Murphy, and that's nothing to knock on those guys because it is a very tough position to play. Uh, but yeah, I have I have Raleigh. You know, I, I'm excited to see what he does with a full 162 games next year, and. Yeah, so he's my number five. Uh do you guys have any other thoughts on on the fifth spot here? I find um, it
2: funny right now that uh of the of the three of us, I'm the one that did not put Cal Raleigh here at number five. He's though to be fair, I feel like that's probably to be expended. Um I also he is on my list a little bit higher, but I will be discussing why I put him a little bit higher when we get to that section.
1: And uh I'll follow up on your point. I do uh max point i think the the catcher position is getting deeper by the day i would imagine none of us are going to talk about francisco alvarez but he is the number one prospect in baseball and he is a catcher um and then there's teams with two or even three catchers looking at you toronto and there's going to be a lot of production from the catcher position and then you have some great defensive players that i again i don't know if we're going to talk about today jonah heim jose trevino the like like the likes of them so Um, I think it's a fun position to talk about. And you have that offense versus defense question that other positions you tend to lean more offense besides maybe shortstop, but catcher, you know, you can, Martin Maldonado is a star starting level catcher because he's a great, great defender. And, you know, he is a good, uh, like game caller in terms of, you know, pitch mix from the pitcher. So this is a, a fun conversation to have offense versus defense.
0: And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, because that just made me think of uh, Foolish Baseball, who is, one in my opinion, one of the best uh, baseball content creators out there. He did a whole video on Jeff Mathis, who is a guy who is historically one of the worst hitters in baseball, like well below league average. You know, Bailey even made up a, a statistic called the Mathis, where you have an OBS plus below 60 in a season, I believe, of at least 200 plate appearances. But he's an excellent pitch framer and a great pitch caller. Uh, and he, I mean, he, when he was in Texas, he turned Mike Minor and Lance Lynn into top 10 Cy Young finishers. So there is something to be said uh, for maybe you prioritize a defense first catcher. Uh, and I think that's the thing with Raleigh. He took a big step forward offensively. He, we saw he had prowess defensively last year, but it's the fact that he improved so much offensively. That's why he cracks the top five this year. Uh, so he's top. He He's fifth for me. Uh, it's, I feel like, it it was very tough actually to pick, uh, you know, limit this to top five because we do, it it is a very, very much an improving position. So let's move on to the fourth spot. I, I, who, who do you guys got here? I I think we might have differing opinions again.
1: Um, so I am going to go with a 2021 Braves legend, Will Smith, uh, JK, the Dodgers catcher, uh, Will Smith, not, much of a defensive player he has his ebbs and flows but he's not in the lineup to play defense he's in the lineup to hit and hit he does um, he's a guy projected have a 130 wrc plus in 2023 and is a guy that's going to get a lot of his value offensively and a position like catcher if you're a you know middle of the pack or maybe slightly below average fielder but you hit like mike piazza another former dodger then okay, you know, you're willing to you're willing to take a couple extra pass balls. You're willing to take a couple extra, you know, you know, uh, steals of second base, things like that. So I think Smith has improved defensively, but he's in here because he's an elite offensive catcher. And if we were just ranking offense, he might be one, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I think that's very fair. That's the reason why I put him at number five, though, is that, like, he has a strong offense. And the defense, is nothing too. you know, it's something to write home about, but it's not a liability. You know, and that's the main thing like. When it comes to Smith, uh, for me, I am putting the most recent Alex Anthopolis uh, acquisition in one Mr. Sean Murphy at number four on my list. And there's a few things that really jump out to me when I look at him. He's played for a good number of years in Oakland right now. Like with Oakland, he's really starting to emerge this year as that kind of main level talent. But watching him play, one thing that really jumps out to me is the fact that he played in 148 games catchers normally don't play anywhere near that amount because normally they have one, maybe two days off a week. Sean did not have that. He played in 148 games, 612 playing appearances, which actually leads all catchers that uh, from, I believe on my list, that I could see here. And again, he was a pretty darn good player hit it. So hitting and defensively, especially looking at his walks versus his uh, K percentage, Right now, he struck out a total of about 20.3% of the time, which, again, in the top five, according to uh, war stats of the MLB catchers, that's about middle ground. And walking-wise, still walked about 9.2% of the time, which, honestly, I'm going to take. From a catcher position that a lot of times is dominated by big home run hitters, like that a lot of times sometimes will just be kind of immediately put into that four true outcomes category, just seeing someone that is able to kind of work it a little bit more is really, really nice to see. So yeah, right now, Sean Murphy is my number four.
0: Yeah. I'm going to agree with Alex here. My number four is also Sean Murphy. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's a number four, but I think that the the gap between each position, uh, each spot on my list is very tight, you know, because he, I think that going to Atlanta is going to benefit him big time. You know, he, he, you're playing in a cavernous ballpark like uh, Green Central Coliseum, as it's called now. Uh, trust me, I learned that maybe a day ago That's called. That's the name of the stadium. But play, playing in Oakland, where it's very much a pitcher's ballpark, uh, you know, a 122 WRC plus, I think he goes to Atlanta, he could probably get up close to 30-homes. You know, he – Truist Park is much easier to hit at. Uh, plus, he's fantastic defensively. Uh, he, you know, I, I, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but, you know, when you look at catchers, I know wins above replacement is definitely a big statistic uh, for evaluating players, but I think catchers, it's important to acknowledge. Are you going by baseball reference or are you going by fan graphs? Because baseball reference only has him at a 3.5. Rule, but because he's so great behind the plate, especially with framing, uh, which fan values, He's a 5.1 war uh, on fan graphs. So I think taking take into consideration, it's, it's kind of like uh, Cal Raleigh, which is uh, not only does he hit, but he's fantastic defensively. And, you know, I think he's going to work well with that Braves pitching staff. Uh, so I think Murphy is four for now. Uh, but I think once those doubles, he hit 37 doubles this year, I think once those doubles start turning into homers, I could very easily see him rising up this list a little more going into this year. Uh, any, Any other thoughts here?
2: So, yeah, that was one of the things I was kind of thinking of when it came to uh, Murphy as well, was that I think that now that he's going to be playing with the Braves, he's going to have a much better lineup around him, which is going to really help those RBI totals. It's really going to help him not have to be the source of offense. I mean, we take a look at an Oakland Athletics team that really just doesn't have a whole lot going for it, which, I mean, that's sadly kind of by design right now. So I think right now you look at what – He did, and the fact that he was able to do this without a lot of supporting cast, I could very easily see that he is top three, if not top two, by the end of this season if he continues on this path. But then has um to get an actual team around him.
1: Yeah, I agree, and um, the Braves are one of the teams that's fortunate enough to have two, you know, good catchers, MLB level catchers, and this is going to give Murphy uh, the occasional DH day, which I think is going to help out his stats and um, being in a deep, deep lineup that you can't just pitch around him. You can't just, he's going to have pitches to hit because he's playing in the same lineup with Austin Riley and former teammate Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna, and Michael Harris. So it's sort of the, um the high tides raise all boats, something like that. I forget what the, the actual cliche is, but I think that's going to apply heavily. It's,
2: it's that a a rising tide lifts all. Bo- yeah, it's a rising t- tide carries all boats.
1: Okay, C- yeah. Close enough. But I, yeah, I think that's close. yeah, that's gonna that's gonna help out Murphy, and then he's gonna have the occasional DH day. Darno can uh, be behind the dish. So exciting times.
0: And I, I think some people may not realize that Travis Darno was actually a Gold Glove finalist this year, which I know having watched him for six years in Flushing. Uh, he was not the best defensive catcher. Uh, so he, he like, you have, Sean Murphy was a gold lover in 2021, and yeah, Travis Darno, who, well, I don't know if I expect Darno as he gets into his mid 30s to keep producing at a high level, but like, he's not a bad backup catcher. That's actually a pretty good backup catcher to have, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll see them uh switch off. I know Murphy started 116 games at Catcher this year, uh, had 30 DH games, so I'm interested to see how that works out, but anyways. Moving on to the number three spot, I think, again, like I was saying, the gap between each of these spots is very small, uh, so I'm curious to see. I, I feel like we 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 already have some differing opinions, but what, what do we have at number three?
1: Uh, well, I will finish up the Sean Murphy train here. I have Sean Murphy as number three. Um, terrific defensive catcher, great framer. Again, we don't know how long the framing is going to matter with Robo-UMPs potentially coming, but... Um, throws out base runners, which is seemingly going to be all more important this season. Larger bases, uh, limited throwovers. So I think Murphy is going to add that X factor uh, controlling the ground, uh, the running game. And I think the Braves made this move to say, hey, we saw a certain catcher that I would imagine all three of us are about to talk about a certain catcher just murdered us in the playoffs. Uh, we want a catcher that can do some of those things. We want a catcher that can control the ground game. We want a catcher that is going to steal a couple extra strikes. Uh, we aren't going to get a catcher. That's going to run like the fat, be the fastest catcher in baseball, but um, we're going to get a better, we're going to improve the catcher position. So moving into 2023, I think Sean Murphy is poised for a big year. Uh, I would say this is probably the the heavy doubles year um, and then next year that I think he can have the conversation of being a 2B or a 1C uh, behind the other two guys we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah, this is where I'm putting Cal Raleigh, personally. And I know that a lot of people would be like, why the heck would you put Cal Raleigh at the third best catcher in baseball? Well, let me bring up a couple ideas for you. And I'm actually not going to use a few stats. I will, I'm going to use some stats. But there's a few other things to kind of bring up, too. First off, when you're looking at these stats, it is really important to re- to remember that during the first, what, month plus of the season, he was playing like dog poop. He was bad. Like, yes, defensively, he was fine. He was solid. But the problem became that he was just at the dish. He was a non-factor. He could maybe, you know, hit the ball a bit hard, but didn't even hit the ball out. Yeah, if I remember right, didn't he get like one of his first home runs against the Mets? His um, second home of the year. I
0: was, I was there. Yeah, yeah, you were
2: there for it. It was the most, yeah. as you told me, the most conflicted home run you've ever
0: seen. Because uh, yeah. they have how but it makes he- you feel. <laughs> he, but he hit the ball – like I, I remember the, talking to my dad right before that bat. I was like, you know, just watch. He can run into a fastball probably, and he did run into a fastball. He, his home runs are not cheap, you know.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, not at all, in fact. Uh, but what's fun about him, and this is what I really like about him as well, as that, is he went down for what felt like a cup of coffee to AAA and came back, and it seemed like he was a completely changed man. It didn't even seem like it was the same Cal Raleigh. But it was, and it was amazing to watch what he did do. So, you, so if you really kind of get rid of that beginning of the thing, which I know you can always do, I understand. But you, it's like you take a look at what happened from the moment that he came back to now. He looked like an elite catcher, not just in the ability to, you know, catch the ball, make the throws, make other pitchers better, but also he was able to hit again. He had one of the best left-handed swings in, like, of any catcher. Like of of also just multiple different positions. So I look at him and I think that going into 2023, if we get an entire year of Cal Raleigh, I see the Mariners doing amazing things with them, especially with the fact that they are continuing to work with some of these pitchers. They're, they are getting, going to get another full year out of Logan Gilbert. Hopefully Robbie Ray can return to some level of what he was with Toronto, um, as well as this other full uh, roster. That I think that if you see what he's going to be do, we, we, worry, we talked earlier about the pitcher ERA when he was behind the dish. And Cal, this is the number thing I love about him. He has an innate ability to work with any pitcher, to regardless of if they're a rookie, a Cy Young Award winner, anything like that, and talk to them all how they need to be talked to to put them at their exact best. I, I remember I was watching a couple different games. One was get with Robbie Ray on the mound, and one was with Logan Gilbert, too. This is only what his, like, th- last year was his first full season. And after going and talking, while both were rattled, both had such different acumen, both of them ca- came back and pitched dominantly right after Cal spoke and talked with them. That is something that you cannot teach. That is something that a catcher must have that is a true talent. And that's exactly what he has. Is he the best catcher in baseball? No, not even remotely close. We still have two more that we're going to talk about. But I think there's a very real chance that by the end of this year, we may be talking him as potentially one of the best, if not probably top two. I think there's a solid chance of that.
0: You know, I, I think of Raleigh sort of in the same boat as Sean Murphy, where, like, they're in their current spots right now, but I feel like they're both going to rise. And, I mean, I'm sure – I I feel like I'm sure there will be, like, the, the top five will look different next year. Uh, my third best catcher, though, is Will Smith from the Dodgers. Uh, you know, Will Smith, I feel like offensively every year, he's always one of the best catchers in baseball. 120 OPS plus this year, pretty solid. 24 homers, 87 RBIs, which is a career high. Uh, he draws walks. He doesn't strike out a ton, which is what I like. Uh, defensively, he needs to do some work. He's about an average framer, uh, kind of average, below average arm behind the plate. He's not bad behind the plate, though. That's the thing, is that when you hit the way he does, I feel like this is one of the rare spots where like, I can accept him not being as great of a fielder. A 3.9 F4. A 127 WRC plus. I think, uh, yeah, I believe I just saw baseball Reference has him at a 4.2. So, you know, I feel like that those numbers aren't too far apart. It's not like Sean Murphy where it's 5.1 and 3.5. So I think Smith, offensively, he's better, I'd say, right now than Murphy and, and Raleigh for now. Uh, but I need to see his glove improve a little more for him to stay at this spot. That's the thing. So I, I have him at three. I understand why you guys have him at four and five. Uh, so I think we, – we I think so we already have, in some order, we all have Will Smith, Cal Raleigh, and, and Sean Murphy. So th- those are three, four, and five in some way. I think we all have that down, Pat. So I say we just go ahead and move to the second spot. And we, we've been talking about some big risers here. Uh, I feel like other than Will Smith uh, – you know i feel like raleigh and murphy are both risers the second spot i i, I don't know if we all have the same number two but i want to hear who do you guys have at number two because my, my guy i think nobody expected to be this far up already I so mean,
1: mine
2: <laughs> i i mean to be fair if it's two i think it is then i think we're probably gonna all have the same number two and number one which i'm going to not laugh because i feel it just makes sense
1: <laughs> this is fair uh, so my number two catcher in baseball entering 23 entering 2023 is one JT real Muto. I, I made the decision um, the most well-rounded catcher in baseball. I think that that's pretty clear. Um, He is the modern Jason Kendall for those that were fans in the early 2000s late 90s. Um, he's a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs going to steal 1015 bases elite framer um elite arm great pop time and he's just always uh, you know always there always a menace always you know fouling balls off getting on base doing doing the little things he just checks off so many boxes at the catcher position um i think last year after june 1st he was the mvp like he was the national league mvp after june 1st you know everything like say judge did in the american league from a power standpoint uh, real muto did all that I think if if you just throw out April and May, I would have voted for Real Muto over Goldschmidt for National League MVP. He's a uh, Real Muto. Big reason why the Phillies made a huge run um, to make the playoffs and then uh, win three playoff rounds. So he's an excellent catcher. I would imagine he's going to be number one on at least one of uh, Alex or Mac's lists, but he's stellar. But I think there's one guy this year that I think will be better. If
2: you have who I think you have a number one, then I think you're drinking the Kool Aid a little too much, my friend. Uh, seeing as you drinking your purple drank right now on podcast, but no, uh, don't worry, I don't do drugs, kids. But anyway, um, right now my number two is someone who I guessing uh, Splash put at number one, and that is one Adley Rushman. Rushman is a fantastic young catcher. He's one of these guys that we have been talking about for years and years and years. And what's been amazing about seeing him finally come up to the big leagues is that he's really shown that he deserves to be there. Adley Rushman, again, on the season, right now, 254 batting average, slugging 445, and a uh graph score 5.3. I mean, come on. The kid is electric. And also what's funny, he's fun to watch. People love watching Adley Rusher play, and it, this is the big stat that um, I know that Splash really likes it, to be fair. I really liked it, too. He has, of the top five catchers in War According to Fangraphs. he has the second lowest strikeout percentage, but has, by a mile, the best walk percentage at 13.8%. In fact, if I were to, you know, just theoretically Look at the top catchers in baseball through walk percentage with let's say an actual uh size, the sample size. Adley Rushman's number one at 13.8 for his walk per, uh percentage. The only people that have more than him have not uh even eclipsed 40 games. Have, have the, the closest one is uh Sandy Leon with 86 plate appearances. No, as a at the dish, the guy has amazing eye, which is something that you really can't teach, especially for something that it for a rookie being able to do. He's coming up right now, and I'm not going to say he's putting up video game numbers because he's not, but he is putting up really good numbers for a catcher that show that by the end of 2023, very really could be the number one. Right now, is he? No, right now, I don't think he is the number one. Either exactly uh as much as splash will probably deny that uh, in his next uh, talking segment but right now i do think that adley very well could be number one within the next two years and he is an absolute threat as a catcher i just can't wait to the day that right considering how young both catchers are i would love to see that we have the same conversation in two years and catchers number one and two or adley and cal <laughs> I-, I want to see that happen
0: yeah so i have adley rushman at second uh i okay i say he's number two right now i think by the end of next year he's probably number one i'm just i'm just going to say it considering this he did this as a 24 year old he had 35 doubles in 113 games i mean that's that's a lot i think uh i said this about murphy i think those doubles are going to start turning into homers he had 13 homers uh, i'm just what i was most impressed with though at. Uh, and Alex, you sort of mentioned this. It's his approach at the plate. You know, thirteen point eight percent walk rate. That's that's really good. He didn't chase often. Uh, strikeouts. You know, striking out in under twenty percent of his plate appearances. Plus, he's a pretty good defender behind the plate. You know, his his arm. I wouldn't call it elite, but it's it's solid. Elite pitch framer already. Plus, he's a switch hitter. You know, I remember when he got drafted first overall out of Oregon State. Uh, I knew this this kid was going to be special. You know, he he's he just he he tore the cover off the ball at Oregon State. He got given the Barry Bonds treatment. You know, that's how you know you're going places. Uh, if only he hadn't began the year with a shoulder injury, he could have who knows how many uh, how much war he could have had. I mean, 5.3 in 113 games is insane. And you know, We haven't. We don't really see catchers win MVP very often. I think Adley's a guy who we could see win MVP. So I I I have him at two for now. It seems like Alex has him at two also. Uh, And uh, Splash, I I, we're gonna get to our number ones, and I'm gonna assume he's your number one.
1: Uh, my number one catcher in baseball for 2023 is of course Robinson Chirinos. Uh, He is same actually. Yeah, he's projected to get negative 0.4 F4 this season. So, absolute superstar. But no, well, it, it's I, I was going to say,
0: say either Torino, who, by the way, is a Mets legend, or I was going to say Tomas Nino. So,
1: or, I mean, where, what about, or uh, what or about Patrick Mazeka? James McCann <laughs> is now an Oriole. I think McCann takes Adley's yes. job, and then Adley's, yeah. Adley's going to play shortstop and be oh, a Hall of Fame. What about yeah. White
2: Sox legend, uh, Semi Zavala? What, on, what, what about James your mean Zavala's. Mercedes? Your mean yeah. Mercedes,
1: anyone? yeah okay um but i i think the best catcher in baseball entering the season is adley rutschman and you know mac and alex have talked about the plate discipline and the the gold glove caliber fielding um but i think the what strikes me with adley was his first moment on a major league baseball diamond was at home he gets a standing ovation um you know, number one pick, number one prospect, all this, all these things. And all that, that's talk. That's that's baseball writers, that's Keith Law, that's baseball America, that's saying, okay, you know, number one, number one, number one, number. But Adley just it looked like Joe Maurer. It looked if you just like transpose Joe Maurer into that situation, I, I think it's the same situation, or Buster Posey or you know, Yachty or Brian McCann. Jason Kendall, like all these great catchers that I've watched growing up. And he looked like the best catcher in baseball, the second best catcher in baseball, because Rio Muto played way out of his mind for three months. He looked like the second best catcher in baseball, the second he stepped on the field, before he had swung a bat, before he had caught a pitch, before he had called for a, a four-seam fastball. And that approach, that sort of... um, Like wherewithal it's a superstar outlook it's he it just he exudes confidence but it's not like joe burrow like over the top or like a baker mayfield woke up feeling dangerous it's just this quiet confidence it reminds me of buster posey and i i haven't been the biggest posey fan um you know i'll admit that but he looks like buster posey he has that aura about him that I think the the leadership is top notch and the catcher position is one that I don't think you're going to be able to tell the story of Adley Rutschman purely through stats just like you can't tell the story of Yogi Berra purely through stats or the story of Carlton Fisk or the story of these great catchers because you know catcher is the most cerebral position catcher is the most physically demanding position. And I think having that presence as a catcher, as the sort of understated captain of the team, because you are, you're catching the ball every pitch, you know, you are on the diamond, you know, catching 150 pitches a day, 130 times a year. And I think Adley's just his approach to the game what it he feels this he he walked into major league baseball and I thought he was a superstar already it just that's sort of how he carries himself and I'm look I'm a stats guy I'll talk about stats all day long but Adley has a presence of a superstar and you know the numbers are going to come and go the the Orioles pushed back the left field wall 15 feet so when Adley bats right handed oh he's he's not gonna have as many home runs as he would in you know other ballparks but I, he he's a superstar to me and i think he's the best catcher in baseball
2: i mean your argument is sound my problem is that like i want to see more of him before going as i before giving him that number one spot do i think that he's deserving of it absolutely but i also think that there's another name out there that deserves that number one spot and it is a man within your guys own division that's JT Realmuto JT Romuto, I think you made a really great comparison earlier about saying that he is the modern-day Jason Kendall. Not a ton of power. Firm doesn't need to have power, but what he does have is a great contact bat. He is very fast, especially for a catcher. And on top of it, fantastic defensively. Like, he is exactly what you want out of a catcher. He's also been, like, consistently at the top of the game, at the top of the list now for years. He is a catcher that the Phillies have depended on for the better part of checks notes forever at this point. And I love seeing what he's doing on the diamond. He's truly a master of his craft. When I pull up his stats, some of the things don't really jump out to you. Like the walk percentage is one of the lowest. In fact, of the top five, it is the lowest. Here, in The next lowest after that is Atlanta Braves legend Travis with the 4.5 walk percentage. And strikes out 21% of the time. Well, why is he so good then? Well, his batting average is 276. He is slugging 478 and has a WRC plus right now of 128 and a baseball reference war of 6.5. Like, Come on. When it comes to Real Muto, he's a catcher that everyone wants. Plus, on top of it, the fact that he has that speed, a lot of times when you see a catcher, you're either putting them batting at, like, number three, maybe number four, or at the very bottom of the order. But when it comes to Real Muto, you could put him really anywhere. With the speed and bat that he has, he is a truly versatile weapon that you can put one, two, three, four, five, six, and... At any one of those positions, he's going to do well. Hell, you could put put a batting ninth and do a pretty solid 9-1-2. Do you want to have a guy that's batting 274 batting ninth? No, but you can do it. And that's what's kind of cool about him. Is that where I think that right now Ali Rusher sells a little bit to grow and is basically going to be like a two, three, four, five type hitter. I think that when it comes to JT Romuto right now, he is right now the most versatile catcher when it comes to batting, but is also a strong, uh, excuse me, a strong fielder, a strong runner, and right now is a better leader, which to be fair, I, am, am I going to say that he is going to be better than Adley Rushman? No, I'm saying that right now going to 2023, he has that leadership that I'm putting just above Adley for.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll admit, I have been completely wrong about JT Real Muto, okay? You know, when he was a free agent, I sort of was on the fence on would I give this guy a five-year contract because he's a catcher who's going to be over 30. You know, sometimes catchers can have really bad downfalls after they reach 30. A lot of them have to go to first base, but Real Muto has made me eat my words entirely. And this this year... And for the first half of this year, I was wondering, like, all right, is he actually that good? Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. In the second half of this year, he had a 162 WRC plus, which is the eighth best in all of baseball. You know, and that's regardless of positions. And he was first for a catcher by, I, I believe, so Adley was second best at 150 in the second half. So Rio Muto was fantastic. Adley was also fantastic, but I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about JT RealMuto. He's basically a five-tool player, and I feel like we don't get those very often in uh, at the catcher position. He, he was the first catcher to have a 2020 season since Pudge Rodriguez back in 1999, and Pudge is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he he stole, stole 21 bases. He hit 22 homers. He hit well for average. He got on base, didn't strike out a lot. Plus, he threw out forty-four percent of all attempted base stealers. There's a reason why he got seventh in MVP voting, and I believe he got uh, both. Uh, yes, he got a Gold Glove and a Silver Slugger, so he was he was just on top of his game. Uh, they, and, oh, by the way, uh, by F. 4 he was the third most valuable player in baseball in the second half. So, uh, yeah, in case you couldn't tell, J.T. Real Muto is really good at baseball. So, and plus. Playing in that, uh, playing in, on that Phillies team. I mean, he's a guy we don't see catchers bat lead off very often. I know you mentioned Jason Kendall, uh, but Real Muto has enough power to bat in the middle of the order, but he also has enough speed and on base ability to bat. He can bat lead off even. So that that's what I like about Real Muto. I have him at number one. Uh, I know Splash has him at two. Alex has him at one. So. That basically does it for our rankings. Do you, any, any other final words on, on, these top five catchers? I, we, we had all had the same five, but in different orders.
1: Um, I, I feel do... like
2: that's, I, oh, I'm sorry. Smash go for it. That... Yeah,
1: no worries. Uh, I feel like it is, I'm not going to say weird, but, um, if you go on fan graphs and you look at like projected war for the, the 2023 season, Alejandro Kirk is second. And, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't even mention him. Um, I although part of that is his DH. He's probably gonna DH a lot, but um, I think there's lots of good catchers we didn't talk about. Uh Wilson Contreras in a new place in uh St. Louis, a little bit easier ballpark to hit in, um, and a better lineup with Goldschmidt, Arenado, and the devil magic. Um, we have great defensive catchers, Jonah Heim, Jose Trevino, Danny Jansen, uh, another good catcher in Toronto. Um, then you have some young guys, Gabriel Moreno in Arizona now. Uh, MJ Melendez in Kansas City can't play defense though. Francisco Alvarez with the New York Mets—he's the number one prospect. William Contreras is a masher. Um, keeper Ruiz with Washington. So um, I think the I'm comfortable with my five, but I wouldn't be surprised if the the uh, 2023 Catcher All Stars are different from the five guys that I picked. Tyler Stevenson in Cincinnati, tremendous bat.
2: So overall, I think there's a little bit of almost a bad way to take this kind of list. And that is the fact that the the level of catching in baseball right now is probably one of the lowest it's been in a while. Like the overall talent, yes, there are some great talented players again, like a Real Luto, like a Rushman, like a Raleigh, that definitely are like, oh yeah, these are really good players. But then after that, it's when things start to get a little bit, you know, odd. Darnell again. A gold glove finalist and decent hitter, Alejandro Kirk, a good hitter. And then after that, it starts getting a little bit weird. Yeah, Contreras is it's like Contreras is good. You've got um yeah, Wilson and William Contreras. I'll put both of them in this as well. Dane Jansen's good, but honestly, there's a lot of guys here that are just like really there, they're near the top of this list. And I feel like right now this is kind of a bit of a down year overall. Last couple of years have been for catchers and i really want to see some big breakout guys some of the guys that we've loved to see in recent years are have just completely fallen off the grid i mean gary sanchez is one that some of us really like to watch and now he's really fallen out into obscurity so i want to see what baseball is going to be like here and hopefully i would like to see that we do have a few good catchers truly on the rise but i want to see what it's going to be like and I really want us to revisit this list at the end of the 2023 season.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, it just popped in my head, sort of, you know, Adley Rushman. Uh, I think he's trying to, I at least he's trying to, and I think he probably will end up being what the Orioles thought Matt Wieters was going to be, you know, a switch hitting catcher who, who could do, who could hit and field. Well, to be fair, Wieters was a four-time all-star. I just feel like overall, he wasn't as great as we thought he was going to be. Uh, but there's that, but I think we are going to see some risers, definitely. I think Alvarez is one to look out for, although I don't know how much catching he's going to be doing. Uh, Danny Jansen had 2.7 war in 72 games. That's on pace for almost six over a full season. Uh, I think Shea Langeliers in Oakland, he's probably going to rise. He's going to be catching. He's going to be the starting catcher there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him rise. Uh, it's just it's a, I feel like We've seen the torch get past now. You know, I feel like for us growing up, at least for Splash and I, it was, you know, Joe Mauer, Buster Posey, and Yadier Molina really dominating the position. I guess you could sort of throw Jorge Posada into that. But uh, now it's going to be Rushman. It's going to be Raleigh. It's going to be eventually Alvarez, Sean Murphy, those guys. It, it's a it's a position that's getting younger and I'm excited to see this position become one of the stronger ones in baseball. So anyways, uh, that's enough on the top five catchers. We all had Murphy, Real Muto, Raleigh, Rushman, and Smith in our top five, uh, just rearranged differently. Uh, So moving on, we're trying a new segment here, actually. Uh, We're going to call this Three Words or Fewer, where we're going to have five questions or topics, and we are going to... Uh, say our feelings on them in three words or fewer. So I say we go ahead and get this thing started right now. The first one is surprise of the American League. Uh, whoever wants to go first here.
2: Yeah, I'll start this out here. Um, my surprise of the American League, Super Sam Haggerty. Hag- ha- Sam Haggerty, I've talked about him a lot on the podcast here, but we saw a lot during the last season. He really, dominated defensively and offensively was becoming a true threat before he got injured near the end of the season. He was one of the reasons why the Mariners had such a big identity of being kind of risk takers, being a lot more of that fun differential, that chaos ball idea. And if we see a full year of Sam Haggerty out in left field and then seeing again, Teoscar out in right and, and I was like Kelnick and Julio in center field then i think we're going to have ourselves one heck of a year and i think he's going to be one of the guys that very quickly gets put on a lot of people's radars
0: uh splash you want to go next
1: uh yeah i can go um my three words are stream texas rangers um. So one of the best parts about baseball is that there's fun teams to watch. And last year there were some teams that stunk that were fun to watch. Right. Right. If I had a chance to watch, like any game in Colorado is obvious, much watch must watch because anything anything can happen in that ballpark. But um, I. I find the Braves extremely watchable. I found the 2022 Royals, ironically enough, extremely watchable. A lot of young players, but I think this year the most watchable team in baseball is the Texas Rangers um, because the they play in a fun ballpark. Um, you have one of the best infields in baseball if Josh Young is remotely competent. Uh, tons of home run potential with Simeon Seager, Low, um, and then you have a pitching staff that outside of DeGrom is total chaos, and it could be great. You know, Nate Evaldi is a playoff legend and had some moments last year. Martin Perez was an all-star last year. Uh, Andrew Heaney was Bob Gibson for three months. Um, but all of those guys, outside of DeGrom, of course, are, you know, total unknowns, and it could be a a pitching masterclass, or it could be a 7 nothing game in the second inning. So I think Texas... They're going to win 75 games, but there's going to be 130 of those games that are just must-watch TV, and uh, I'm excited to renew my MLB TV subscription. Interesting.
0: I'm sensing a theme here because here's what I, and you guys are, might think I'm crazy for this one, but surprising the American League, here are my three words. Halos rise up. Something tells me. You know, and oh God, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting I'm getting it from uh, the AL West fan in here, Mister Clark. Uh, yeah, because you're wrong, but I I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, so hear hear me out. Is that I feel like every year there there are teams that you see the talent there, but you you wait for them to all start performing at the right time and doing it together. And I think this year it was the Phillies. You know, the Phillies I thought were not going to make the playoffs. And they ended up making the World Series because they all sort of gelled together at the right time. And I could say the same thing about the Padres in the NL West. The Angels, I think, have actually had a pretty nice offseason. Getting Tyler Anderson, uh, they they trade for Hunter Renfro. I really like that. I like the signing of Brandon Drury. I, I you know and then you got you hope that Trout can play even just 140 games. Uh, I think I really like Taylor Ward out there. Uh, Jared Walsh, hopefully, is healthy for a full season. And plus, you have Shohei Otani, obviously. I think people don't realize that, you know, Patrick Sandoval is a pretty solid pitcher. Reed Detmers took a big step forward this year. Uh, That bullpen, Jimmy Hargit, actually stepped up really nicely after Iglesias got traded. I think that the Angels, I, I think they could be like the Phillies this year. I'm not saying they're going to be, but I think if there's a team that I think will surprise people this year, it's going to be the Angels. I think this is going to be there. Maybe they finally put it together. Are they better than the Mariners and the Astros? No. I think they could make the wild card, though. Um, I say we move right along unless anyone wants to berate me for my pick right now because you guys seemed ready there. (laughs) Boldly.
2: No, I'm not going to berate you. I think that the Angels have a lot of good pieces, and what's fun about them is that they really focus a lot on good pitching which is what I wanted to see them do. That's always been kind of their biggest problem was pitching. They have got some pretty more decent pitchers now, plus they've also really upgraded that outfield, so now it's not just Trout, especially if Taylor Ward takes that step up, like I know a lot of us want to see him do, and Hunter Renfro continuing to be the player that just plays good no matter where he's at. So I think that there's a good chance he will be third. He will not finish about the Mariners or the Astros, though. They will not finish about the Mariners or the Astros. i will care if finish about the Astros, just not the Mariners. Mariners. for winning the yeah. ALS.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Mac, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I like how they've retooled the outfield. Um, and I don't remember which one of us sent the stat, but I remember a lot of people complained about the Angels pitching staff that it wasn't good enough. Well, the Angels pitching staff last year was very good and it was one of the best in baseball, but it was the outfield production that kind of tanked because ward missed time trout missed time. And then you have a black hole in the other spot. So now if ward and trout are healthy and Renfro is normal Renfro, that's one of the best outfields in baseball. And you have actually might be the best outfield in baseball. If you, you know, if trout is trout, right. Um, The infield, we don't know what you're going to get out of Anthony Rendon. Jared Walsh had a horrific season. Um, a guy, Max Stassi, catcher. I didn't. I thought he was going to be great. Took a giant leap backwards, but um, I think they're another a fun team to watch. Uh, a potential third wild card team bes- behind whoever finishes second in the AL East and uh Seattle, a slash Houston. Um, so potential third wild card, and not a team I want to face in October. Although Trout is one for twelve in the playoffs, so.
0: Who knows? It, it actually made me remember that uh, Logan Ohoppy is probably going to be the catcher this year, and I'm really high on him. So I, I can't, I'm i also glad they were able to get him for Brandon Marsh. I thought that was a great trade. Uh, so anyway, moving on, the next one we're doing is what will the MVP scene be like? Uh, whoever wants to go first here.
2: All right, uh, I got it for this one. Oh, on. Okay, so for this one, uh, kind of counterintuitive to what I said just a moment ago. Uh, about the angels and all that, but my MVP scene three words are uh, a hyphenated word. Then there, my mind, mind you big fly Otani san. I think that Shohei is going to reclaim that award as his. I think that this year, like last year, was again. even a solid year for otani it wasn't great mind you but it was still pretty darn good and the only reason why he didn't win it is because Aaron judge decided to break a a billion year old record with home runs so i think right now while it's going to be so close again i think this season between otani and judge as long as judge you know plays up to his level like he does i think that otani is going to Take home the award this year. We're gonna be hearing a lot of big fly otani san.
1: I think otani is always gonna be in that conversation. And I I do wonder how Otani's career unfolds. Is it going to be more aligned with like a a LeBron, a Brady? guys that are always you know a top three guy or whatever but they're not going to win the mvp every year or is it going to be a early 2000s bonds that you're just going to give him the mvp it doesn't matter that he's won the last three it doesn't matter that he has six already you're going to give him the mvp in 2004 so um, i think otani is a great shout i would imagine he's the favorite and should be uh the favorite moving forward because look as great as aaron judge was He hit 62 home runs and had one of the greatest offensive seasons in the history of baseball, and Otani still had a reasonable argument to win the MVP. That's how good Otani is, and that's how different and how valuable Shohei Otani is.
0: All right, Splash, you have three words or fewer on this, All right, my
1: three words are dueling 40-40s. This means the American League and National League MVPs Julio Rodriguez and Ronald Acuna will have 40 home run, 40 stolen base seasons. Uh, this has only happened four times in MLB history. Jose Canseco. Barry Bonds. Alex Rodriguez, Alfonso Soriano. Uh, I think Acuna and Julio can do it simultaneously, um, on excellent teams. Mariners, probably a playoff team. Braves, probably a playoff team. Um, and I think they're both guys that are going to play with passion, and you know this this youth movement we see in baseball. I think Julio and Julio is obviously going to play great defense in center, and Acuna is going to take a better play, better defense in right, and have the best arm in baseball. Um, but I do think some rules, bigger bases, fewer uh, throwovers, things like that are going to help Acuna help um, Julio, and even an injured Acuna coming off a torn ACL was still ceiling bases. He sold 29 bases last year. Um, I think Julio is a mortal lock for a 30-30 season. And I think he can push up to 40-40. I know it's a tough ballpark to hit in, but you know, there's gonna be a couple extra games around the year that you're playing in more friendly ballparks than like Texas, which is huge. And um, you know, so I think the some diversity of ballparks, some diversity of pitchers is gonna help kinda um going to help those higher end power numbers because you're going to be facing these random guys that they've never faced you right Uh, some random pitcher on the mariners has probably not faced acuna more than once right or some random pitcher on the guardians hasn't faced julio rodriguez more than once or twice so i think that's going to help i think both of them have 40 40 seasons and then we're talking about this historically relevant season from both um superstars
0: yeah, it, it, interesting because yeah, I think the NL, I think the NL field is probably more open than the AL field, and he, so my my words are Machado contract year. I think many many Machado says he's going to opt out after this season, and we saw what Aaron Judge did in a contract year, and I feel like both these guys, you look at it and you're like how in the world have these guys not won MVP before the season? And we saw Paul Goldschmidt finally get his first MVP after felt like he was runner up or top five, like every year, at least top 10. I think this is going to be be the year that Manny Machado finally gets his MVP. No, I think uh, the, the Padres are going to be loaded uh, especially once they get Tatis back and no, the Yankees are not getting Fernando Tatis, by the way. I just stop it there. Anyway, uh, I think Machado, he he was second in MVP this year. He's been top three in the past. He's been a beast in both the AL and the NL. I think this year he finally puts it all together and gets paid after this year. Uh, I don't know if it'll be with the Padres. It could be with anyone, but I think it's going to happen. So that that's mine. I say we move right along uh, because I'm sure we all have some words on this one, which is the state of the NL East. Uh I, I know Splash and I are the NL East people, but whoever wants to go first here.
2: I'll start us off as the one not NL East, in fact, the exact opposite as AL West. But my three words are um, bloody victory Mets. I think the Mets are going to take the AL East after all of the moves that have been done, but it's not going to be easy. It is going to be a bloodbath in the NL East with the amount of talent that is in that division, it's really going to come down to all the moves that the Mets made over the off season. And it's going to come down to the fact that they've spent a billion dollars. No kidding. Um, that they spent a ton of money. And I think that the Braves are going to compete, obviously. Splash, I know you were giving me the, the down thumbs already, but I think those two are going to be the main teams at it. As much as I think that the Phillies are still good, I'm not sure they're going to be able to repeat what they did last year. So, I think they're going to be very, very, very good, and it's going to be a three-way race, but I do think that the Mets are going to be the one that takes it overall.
1: Uh, No comment. Because I'm right. Sounds (laughs) good.
0: Um. Yeah, Splash, whatever. (laughs) All right, well, Splash, you got to respond then. I mean, he he has his take. I mean, that's... You can't can't insult me, though.
2: I'm in the AL West. I'm in the AL West. You
0: can't insult (laughs) me, there.
1: Okay. Um, all right, my three words I'm going to create a new word, create a new word. Uh, Mar Nationals create chaos. Um, so obviously, the most of our conversations are going to center around the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies. But in a year that division schedules are meaning less than they have in the past, that teams are only going to play 13 divisional games each as opposed to 19. I think those random June games against the Marlins are going to be really important for the Phillies, Braves and uh, Mets and the random, you know, July, July 4th game against the nationals is going to be important because those are games you should win. You should win nine out of 12 of those games or nine out of 13 of those games, 10 out of 13 of those games, you should dominate Washington. You should dominate uh, Miami, but whoever in that group of the, the Mets Phillies and Braves that you know, go seven and six or go six and seven or drops a three game set in Washington or drops a four game set at home against the Marlins because they get uh, a Sandy Alcantara start. That's when chaos is going to happen. And that's going to be the difference in a 162 game season. That's, you know, a big reason why the Mets, you know, quote unquote, folded down the stretch was they were dropping games to the Cubs and dropping games to the Marlins and, you know, like that. And that's going to be, the difference because I, I think the the Mets, Phillies, and Braves are going to finish somewhere between, you know, three and five games separate. And it's going to be that random game in June against, you know, Tanner Roark. I don't even know if he's pitching in the majors anymore, but it's going to be that game that CJ Abrams hits two home runs or the game that John Birdie steals second, seals third, and then walks someone a sack fly to win one nil at one nothing in an Alcantara start. So, you know, we'll we'll talk about the big three, but I think the Marlins and Nationals are gonna have a lot to say about who wins the division.
0: All right. I, I'm I'm I agree with you, Splash, because and I, I think some people might overlook that. But uh mine I I am trying to come up with words that I mean, it's obviously it's going to be a battle, but I think mine I'm just gonna go simple. Three playoff teams. I think it's 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 pretty easy to explain here. It's no, the Braves obviously have retained. They haven't really spent this offseason, but they they maintain basically the same roster and will have a healthy Ronald Acuna hopefully this year. So it'll be the the only yes. They lose Dansby Swanson, but they like I said, basically the same team other than that. Uh, So they're going to be they're not going anywhere. The Mets have made their moves, getting Verlander, Senga. Quintana, you know, maybe Correa. Uh, they, they, they've they made their moves, obviously. They brought back Brandon Nimmo. Uh, so even after losing Jacob Uram, I think the Mets have gotten even better. I'm still waiting on the Correa news. And then the Phillies getting Trey Turner. I know that the Phillies won't have Harper for about probably the entire first half, but even so, they have a dangerous lineup. Uh, and I think actually what people underrate is actually their pitching rotation is not too bad and their bullpen is improved. I know they picked up Craig Kimbrell recently, but I think all three of these teams are in the playoffs and I'm sure at least one of them will make it to the NLCS. And I'm, I'm very excited for the NL East. So that, and, uh, so moving on, we have the next one. And I guess we sort of hinted at this in our second question, but surprise award winner, uh, Splash, I want to hear from you first here, because I feel like uh, you might have a a better one than better idea of this than I do, at least.
1: (laughs) Man. okay. this this isn't surprising to me. Uh, Key Brian takes over. It has been a travesty that Key Brian Hayes has to play in the same division as Nolan Arenado. And with all due respect to the future Hall of Famer known as Nolan Arenado, this is the issue with gold gloves because Key Brian Hayes has outperformed Nolan Arenado in the field over the last two seasons. Both of the last two seasons. He has outperformed Nolan Arenado. but Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado finishes close enough that he's going to win the gold glove because he has the reputation. He hits better. He plays for the Cardinals. That's like plus 500 points in the voting system if you play for the Cardinals, um, regardless if you deserve it or not. So I, I think this is, this is the year. I think this is the year that Key Brian puts it together at the plate and has a, a solid season at the plate. And people are like, huh, Key Brian Hayes. You know, he's fun. Oh, he's a wizard defensively and he's outperformed Nolan, Nolan defensively the last two years metrics wise. Oh, maybe it's time to give him the gold glove.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to have fun with this one. I don't care what anyone says on this one. Um, I'm going to say dumper MVP votes. I am calling it and I'm making it happen right now. Cal Raleigh's taking that huge jump this year after getting to play a full 162 game season maybe not playing every game obviously but like being fully healthy and being able to have his same level of maturity that he had last year I think that he is going to be one of the reasons that Seattle goes back to the playoffs and is going to be one of those leaders where Seattle may have multiple players with MVP votes including guys like Leo as well, so I think that Cal Raleigh is going to make that huge jump this year and will be. We're not even. We would, you guys put him at number five on your guys' list. I have a number three because I have faith. I got faith in the big dumper. So, all right, we've got dumper MVP votes is my three words.
0: So this is this is a tough one to think of because, I, and I'm I'm actually going to go with one that. I mean, I don't know if I truly believe in this, but here's what I got Kershaw is back. I think Clayton Kershaw, uh, I, I feel like we've almost written, written him off because of all these injuries, but I think this year we're in for uh, a, re, a sort of a resurgence in that Clayton Kershaw is going to be back and will win an NL Cy Young Award this year. I, I, I just, I if not, I mean, I'll eat my words, but I think if there's someone who's going to quote surprise this year, I think it's going to be Kershaw just because I think the injuries have sort of like lowered his stock. Hence why he only gets one year contracts now. So that's, that's my surprise. Uh, so that, that is our first segment of three words or fewer. I'm sure we'll get this every week, but anyways, we're going to move on to trivia, which actually I am doing this week, uh, I'm taking. I'm subbing in for Alex this week. I, I, I would say. Uh, so
2: you're taking my job, Mac. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, today's trivia. That's
2: obvious. No I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> Today, today's trivia segment. Uh, I think almost. I think all of us know the inside the NBA segment. Who he played for. And one time they did do a segment called Who did he play for? Uh, so I'm sort of doing a rip on this. I have 15 players here. And oh, no. I, 15 <laughs> players paired with teams and you have to tell me true or false did the did this player play for that team uh i'm i'm going with alex's system of three strikes and you're out so if you get three <laughs> strikes you're toast uh if not uh that last question will effectively be the tiebreaker if we get there but okay I do,
1: do you have a question for you what um is this a played a game for them or was on their roster yes. like felix hernandez is a braves legend but never played for the braves Put, played a game at the major league level for them okay
2: so like we can't do david ortiz of the mariners
0: yeah correct so, so david ortiz mariners <laughs> would not be a yeah yeah okay anyways uh, uh, and also
2: uh and also splash just one more quick slap to you for that reminder thank you very much anyway
0: okay um so here's how i'll uh What's it called? All right. So now I'm going to ask you you both to pick a number between 1 and 10. And that's how I'll decide
1: who goes uh, give first. Give me 9. Give me 8. I knew you are going to choose 8.
0: Yeah. Alex is the winner. The correct answer was 6. Uh, do you want to go first or second, Alex?
1: Let's go first.
2: Let's, All let's, right. let's play some confidence. Let's play confidently.
0: All right. The first player we have is Larry Walker. Did he play for the Cardinals? True. That is correct. Larry Walker actually hit a home run in the World Series for the Cardinals that year. Uh, they got swept, but yes, he played for them uh, the la- last half of 20, uh, 2004 and 100 games in 05. So you are on the board. Splash, your next – yours is Troy Tulowitzki. Did he play for the Yankees?
1: I would like to give a shout out to I think no more fielders. Um yes, Troy Tulowitzki in a fever dream did play for the New York Yankees. Yes,
0: he did. That is correct. In 2019, <laughs> he played five games, hit a home run, and then got injured and was retired. So yes, Troy Tulowitzki ended his career with the Yankees. Uh that yeah. happened a lot in my MLB The Show franchise modes back in the day. All right, <laughs> Alex. You're next up and yours is Mickey Mantle. Did he play for the Dodgers? False. That is correct. Mickey Mantle only played for the Yankees. He did not play for the Dodgers.
2: Yep. I was um, pretty sure he was in. I'm pretty sure he was a Yankee lifer. So
0: that was pretty yes, easy. Yeah, yes, he was. So good job on that. All right, Splash, you're next. Carlos Beltran. Did he play for the Giants?
1: Funny you should mention this. Uh, Yes, Carlos Beltran played for the Giants the last half of the 2011 season. He was traded from the Mets. Yes, he and did. I... He
0: played 44 games. Yes. yes, and yes, he he finished 20th in MVP voting. Was that the yes, was, was that good.
1: the Darno trade or was no it was the was a Wheeler trade? trade? That's yeah. right. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, he got traded for Zach Wheeler. I I know personally that broke my heart because Beltran was like one of my favorite players growing up, but it had to be done. I remember. Plus, they got Zach Wheeler for him, so. Anyways, moving on, uh, Alex, Greg Maddox, did he play for the Padres?
2: Yes. Yes, he did. And only Power Pro's legend, Greg Maddox, playing with the Padres.
0: You are correct. He played – give him a year and a half. He made 60 starts. Uh, <laughs> 60 starts for them, uh, uh, 4.070 ERA, 20 and 20. So not, not bad. Uh, so all right. So you guys are going pretty much matching each other right now. Splash next. Yours is Madison Bumgarner. Did he play for the Braves?
1: Uh Madison Bumgarner did no hit the Braves, uh, but he has not played for the Braves. False.
0: You're correct. So wow, you guys are doing great so far. You both you were tied at 3 and neither of you have a strike. Alex, you're next. Ken Griffey Jr. did he play for the Mets? You're muted. So,
2: yeah, I thought I clicked I I clicked off but it apparently went back. So that's tough because I my initial answer is no. Because I remember that when he was done with Seattle, he went to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, and then he went to Chicago for a cup of coffee. I don't think he ever played for the Mets. I'm going to say false.
0: You are correct. Ken Griffey Jr. was supposed to be traded to the Mets in the 1999-2000 offseason, but he vetoed it because he wanted to be, quote, closer to home. And so he got traded to the Reds instead. So, yes, you are correct. Uh, And there's a long history there of, oh, what, what if the Mets get Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, the Mets probably don't end up with David Wright. So uh, mm-hmm, there's yeah. that anyway, because Mike Hampton probably doesn't go to the Mets in that case because uh, they use some of those pieces. Anyway, uh, moving on. Wow. So, yeah, like I said, you guys are still at 100 uh, percent conversion rate right now. Splash yours. Max Scherzer. Did he play for the Diamondbacks?
1: Um, Max Scherzer did play for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He came up with the Diamondbacks. That is correct. Like, he was drafted right? by them.
0: 2008 and 2009, he came up mainly as a reliever in 08 and then made 30 starts in 09 before getting traded. It's part of a three-team deal with the Tigers. So you are correct. Man, you guys do, doing well here, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, moving on, Alex, this is another one you should probably know the answer to. Randy Johnson, did he play for the Montreal Expos?
2: Yes, yes, he very much That's where he was also drafted from.
0: You are correct. Randy Johnson came up and made four starts in 88 and then set uh, seven appearances in 89 before getting traded as part of the deal to get Mark Langston in 89. So you are correct. Moving on splash. If I would have gone that one wrong. I think there would have been a big old problem. (laughs) Yeah, there would have been a big problem there. So splash (laughs) Johan Santana. Did he play for the Astros?
1: As far as I know, Santana was only a twin in the Mets. So I'm going to say false. He did not play for the Astros. You are
0: correct. He was signed as an international free agent by the Astros. He never actually played in the majors for them. He spent a few years in their system, was a real five pick by the Marlins, and then immediately sent to the Twins. So you're you right. Never played for the Astros in the majors. Uh, so 5-5 five, five through 10, this is getting interesting here. How many questions did you make, Mac? (laughs) There are five left. There are five left. Like (laughs) I said, I went with an odd number here so that the last one could just be the tiebreaker. Anyway, the last... I mean, sorry. The next one is Ichiro. Did he play for the Phillies?
2: The Phillies? No. Uh, He played... He started with the Mariners, went to the Yankees, then to uh, the Marlins.
0: You are correct. The Phillies offered him a contract, but no, he did not take it. No, yeah, Um, he went
2: to the the Marlins just to have
0: fun. It's probably (laughs) for the best that he uh, did it. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, man, I'm just realizing now.
2: I'm really glad I went went first now
0: because I'm getting the Mariner questions. God, I, I didn't even think about that when I was putting this together. Anyway, next up, Splash, Bartolo Colon. Did he play for the White Sox?
1: Oh, my goodness, Bartolo. Okay, So, uh, okay, let me think. So he was on the A's because that's where he had the 38 straight strikes against the Angels. He won the Cy Young with the Angels. He was on the Braves. He was on the – oh, man, he played for so many teams. I'm going to lean false. I don't think Bartolo Colon played with the White Sox.
0: You are incorrect, sir. <laughs> a splash. Bartolo actually had two stints with the White Sox. Uh I, looking at it again, he I, made 34 I, starts I, for them in 03 and then came back and made 12 starts in 09 before he got hurt. So I, um, I didn't even yeah. know 100
2: percent but I know that he's been around with everyone for a while. I would
0: have like I would have guessed you we, we, we talked, you know, Edwin Jackson is the record holder. Uh Rich Hill has now played for a bunch of teams. Uh uh, who's Octavio Dotel was the former record holder for most teams played for. Bartolo played for 11 different teams, so I, I knew that Bartolo was going to make his way in here somehow. <laughs> so, all right, that's your first strike. So, Alex, you lead 6-5. Next up for you, Billy Wagner. Did he play for the Red Sox? Ooh. One of your favorite guys. Um... That's why I put him in here.
2: Yeah, so if I get this right, mathematically I win. That, but right?
1: Uh, I'm not quite yet. I'm oh, bad at math. You would have to yeah. go to a tiebreaker. At, no, because I if I get you. this
2: right, then uh, you would have to get two points, and there's only two questions left, and right, one yeah, of what? them is a tiebreaker.
0: What?
1: Because no,
2: because I, I currently three... have I currently yeah, have one point seven... on you.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it's 6 yeah. 5. So yeah, there's four said, questions left.
2: Oh, I thought you said there were. Are there three, no, there's there's three, three, questions three questions left,
1: left including this one. If you can one. get this, then I get one, then you miss, then I get the 15th or the 14th and tie. Okay. Or, oh, there
2: weren't the one, the, yeah. the, the one earlier than I thought. I thought we were yeah. a little yeah. earlier than that. Yeah, okay, okay. My apologies. So, um, with, When it comes to Wagner, you so said Wagner the and Red the Red Sox. Sox.
0: Yeah, Red Sox.
2: I'm going to say. Oh man, I feel like I know this, and that's the problem. I'm gonna say no. He was not on the Red Sox.
0: Well, you're incorrect because I Dang was it. at his. I was at his Red Sox debut in August of 2009. After the Mets traded him to Boston late that year for Chris Carter and uh, yeah, basically two players to be named later. One of them was the animal, aka Chris Carter. Uh, so you are incorrect. He played. He pitched in 15 games for Boston. ADRA in those games. Uh, So, Splash, you have a chance to tie here. Here's yours. It is Sammy Sosa. Did he play for the Cincinnati Reds?
1: I am going to say false. I believe he only played with the two Chicago sides. False. He did Uh, not play with the Cincinnati Reds.
0: You are correct, though I will say he did play for the Rangers and the Orioles also. Okay. Um So, yes, though, you are right. He did not play for the Reds. All right, so since you guys are both tied at six and both only have one strike, for this last one, I'm going to do what Alex normally does, which is you will both DM me your answer, uh, and we will go from there. So the are you guys ready for the, the tie-breaking question? It is Jose Reyes. Did he play for the Baltimore Orioles? Ooh, okay. Let's see. See, I have one answer. All right, I have two answers. And here we go. The final result of this. I And I don't know how this keeps happening, but Mr. Splash has remained undefeated. Jose Reyes did not play for the Orioles. Dang
1: it. Um, but...
0: Like I said, Sammy Sosa played for the Orioles. Jose Reyes did not. He was a mm. Met, a Marlin, a Blue Jay, a Rocky, and then a Met again. So congratulations, Splash, who improves to 6-0 and somehow in these trivia challenges. I mean, I... Almost, I I don't know what to say anymore about that. So congratulations, Splash Alex. Yeah, you, congrats. You, I will say though, you you hung in there. You did your job. You made it interesting. Look, when I get when I have fifty fifty, I can at least work
2: on things. <laughs> when I'm uh, trying to, it's like when I'm told to try and figure out a player who had a two fifty three batting average in nineteen fifty seven that played on fourteen different teams, then that's where I struggle.
1: You know, okay. I was almost. I, I will. To, yeah, what. I will say that if I had gotten the Billy Wagner one, I would have gotten that wrong. Full transparency. I'm like, please say, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, please say no, please say, or please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. And then he says no. And I'm like, crap, I just bottled it. And then he, okay. Fair play, Alex. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I will almost say, I mean, the only reason I know Billy played for the Red Sox was because I saw him pitch for them. Uh, (laughs) That, that the, the first game I ever went to at Fenway, uh, yeah, which is funny because I saw Paul Byrd start that game, too, which is like, I'm pretty sure that was Paul Bird's only start for the Red Sox. Um, anyway. The
1: Braves announcer uh, legend.
0: Exa- exactly. Uh, we're going to end our show the way we always do with our moment to ourselves. So 60 seconds on the clock, give or take or few. Whoever wants to go first uh, can go right ahead. Um, who Who wants to go first here?
1: I can go first.
0: All right. Out. Out. Uh, I just call you Alex. Wow. Um, Splash. All right. right. Ready? Three, two,
1: one. So one thing I love about sports are the handful of players that spend their entire career with one team. And ironically, we're coming off of a segment of players that did not do that. But um, I hope with this Braves regime moving forward that the likes of Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris and Spencer Strider and Ozzie Albies and Austin Riley and co., you know, all are Braves lifers. and I know that's a tough thing to ask, and there's only been a handful of Atlanta Braves lifers. You know, Chipper Jones is like the quintessential Braves lifer. Andrew Jones wasn't. Maddox wasn't. Clavin went to the evil death, death team. Um, and, of course, John Smoltz played with the Red Sox and Cardinals in the last year of his career. Um, so I do hope that some of these guys on the current Braves team are, you know, guys that, In 10 years, 15 years, they're Braves lifers and they'll have their their jersey numbers retired along Maddox and Glavin and Co.
0: All righty. Time is up. Uh, Alex, do you want to go next or should I go next? Yeah, I'll go next. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. So two quick shots before I do my actual
2: one of your first happy 60th birthday to the greatest designated hitter to ever play the game in Edgar Martinez do not at me and then also again just one more shout for um Recipes to Mike Leach as right now Mississippi State's gonna be playing in their game and wearing special leech he- uh helmets that look absolutely amazing. Anyway, what I want to talk about real quick. I'm not talking about sports. I'm talking about Pokemon because I can. Pokemon right now, Scarlet and Violet is one of the greatest Pokemon games I've ever played. While there are a ton of performance issues with it, I this is such an amazing fit time to be a Pokemon fan because at this point we're finally starting to see them do. Uh, games that are more fun to play, that are more story based, have really interesting characters, and it's an amazing step forward. That if they can continue on with this, I was so scared after Pokemon Legends Arceus that this game was going to be horrible, but no, it has absolutely shattered all of my expectations, and I'm really glad to see it.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Before I get into my spiel, I have to agree with you, Alex. I've been playing Pokemon basically nonstop, I feel like, the last week or so, and it's been been fantastic. Uh, I I love it. Uh, This is the most fun I've had playing Pokemon basically since my childhood. Uh, But anyways, here I'm going to get started right now. I'm talking about the Hall of Fame ballot, because we are unfortunately probably looking at another year where we will not have anyone elected to the Hall of Fame. And that really, really disappoints me. Currently, the model shows Scott Rowland will fall just short. He's at 81% right now. And Todd Helton, that's 79%. He will probably also fall short, which is disgusting. Uh, I want to say, if you're submitting a blank ballot, I don't know what to tell you because you're telling me that nobody on the ballot is worthy of a spot in the Hall of Fame. You're just lying to yourself. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, we we get the the, the K-Rod-only ballots, which are insane. Uh, I I will say, I think Carlos Beltran, you need to look past the cheating scandal. He's a Hall of Famer. I Splash, I know you you agree with this. Bobby Abreu should be a Hall of Famer. Billy Wagner should be a Hall of Famer. Scott Rowland should be a Hall of Famer. There's so many guys worthy of getting in. I think it's ridiculous that people keep submitting blank ballots. And so that will do it for us today. That was our moment to ourselves. Uh, Splash looks like he wants to say something real quick. So I'm going to let him do that.
1: Yeah. uh, So to like follow up to your hall of fame point, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, keep the hall small, keep the hall small. Um, Guess what? It's a memorial. It's a, it's a museum to the, to the greatness of baseball. So, You don't have to be Ted Williams to be in the Hall of Fame. And there's people on Twitter that, well, if you're not elected the first time, you shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. All right, then take out lots of other all-time great inner circle Hall of Famers that didn't make it because these things are voted on by sports writers the sports writers who have egos, who have opinions, who covered these guys, who were like talked with them in locker rooms and don't like these guys. That's why Barry Bonds isn't a hall of fame. Well, one of the reasons why Barry Bonds or Kurt Schilling or these other all time great players. You mean to tell me that a guy with 762 home runs and seven MVPs isn't a hall of famer. Oh, it's the sports writer's fault. You mean to tell me one of the greatest playoff pitchers ever. And a guy with 3,100 strikeouts isn't a hall of famer. Oh, that's, that's a sports writer's issue. And look, I'm all for a, larger Hall of Fame showing off the the greatness of a Scott Rowland who you know wasn't great. He was, you know, very good for a long time and was an excellent defensive player. And yeah, I know he's not as good as Brooks Robinson defensively. I get that. No, he's not as good as friggin' even Adrian Beltra, he's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I get that. or Andrew Jones. I know he's not Willie Mays, but guess what? A part of a part of Andrew Jones story should be in Cooperstown. A part of the Andrew Jones story of you know, 19 years old playing in the World Series, 10 straight gold gloves, the the best defensive player of his generation, perhaps the best defensive player to ever play the sport, and you're not putting him in because he had a, down, a really bad year with the Dodgers that it clouds your entire judgment. I think it's, it's laughable. And look, is Bobby Abreu better than Babe Ruth? No, but that's not the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame should recognize you know greatness rec- recognize excellence and sometimes greatness or excellence comes in different forms Ozzie Smith is not the same player as Derek Jeter they are almost exact opposites besides clutch in the playoffs right but they are both in the Hall of Fame they have both they have totally different credentials but they both get a pass and i think you know i think we shove have a, a little bit larger Hall of Fame you know i can is Bobby Abreu a Hall of Famer i would vote for him but i understand that he's going to get 10 12% of the vote it is what it is, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure once we get towards, I believe the Hall of Fame uh, voting results are revealed in a few weeks. So I'm sure we're going to have another discussion like this, you know, what we think about who gets in, who's not getting in. So thank you for that. Uh, Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, this is our first episode of 2023. We have a lot of big things planned ahead. So keep tuning in, uh, and you will keep getting uh, episodes from us basically every week. Uh, of course, thank you, to Splash and Alex, for coming on. You can follow Alex at the Sports Guy Two Four Two. You can follow Splash at Mr. Splashman Nineteen, and you can follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. Uh, but for everyone at Losses of Replacement, thank you all for listening. I hope to see you all real soon.